This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Good to have you guys back with me for another day. Thanks for listening. As always, good show coming up. Lavelle Enil III, Star Tribune columnist, will join me here in a little bit. Went to, went deep with Lavelle on the NBA draft. Has a good column up on Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, um, talking about what he wants the Wolves to do with the number 19 pick, where he thinks their weaknesses might be. And he and I are pretty much aligned on what we're thinking for this team this offseason. So good conversation with Lavelle on that. We also got into um, kind of the what athletes in the next 10 years in this market will be the dominant athletes that people will just fall in love with, will be the superstars in this market over the next decade. Found it very easy to pick a top three, found it very hard to pick, put that top three in any sort of order so uh we will uh, we will get to that i'll probably write about that a little bit more on uh, ramball blog later today as well um links won good for them uh, after a terrible first quarter they they end up beating phoenix not a great team but hey getting a getting a win is uh, is a good start for them after that awful beginning to the season not even kind of not even really the beginning anymore god they're almost halfway through their year at this point so we got to get to got to get to that um we got to get to some bad news on the injury front for gophers men's basketball parker fox hurt his knee again the other knee don't know the severity yet hoping it's not too bad but that news delivered on tuesday you can read uh marcus fuller's story start tribune start tribune.com about that and what that might mean for the Gophers if that is indeed a serious injury. But first, what did I miss? You know, the Twins took over sole possession of first place in the American League Central on April 24th this season. Um, it was in the midst of a seven-game winning streak after a bad start to the year. The record was only 8-8 eight and eight at the time. The division was terrible, still remains not great, but they moved a half a game ahead of their competition at that moment on April 24th. On June 21st, they are no longer in sole possession of first place in the American League Central. They have been caught by Cleveland, and you could even say Cleveland maybe is ahead in the division race because they are ahead in the loss column um, twins losing 6-5 in 11 innings in the opening game of that big series against the Cleveland Guardians at Target Field tough one for them um, interestingly enough this game also extra innings just like the game uh, that that they won on April 24th to take sole possession of first place that was a walk-off win over the Chicago White Sox. This is a walk-off, not a walk-off loss, but an extra innings loss against Cleveland. And this one hurts because got a decent start from Joe Ryan. Um, went six innings, 101 pitches. I guess they're stretching these guys out now. Finally, they're finally stretching these guys out now. Um, 101 pitches for Joe Ryan. Um, but the big thing was Luis Arise comes up seventh inning. Twins are down 3-2. And smokes a three-run home run to right, um, kind of into the <clears throat> right over that short porch. Um, gives the Twins a five-three lead. Looks like okay, this is uh, you know the the heroics, the the big hit, and and there you have it. And that looked like that was going to be 
you know, it looked like that was going to be the winner. But then Emilio Pagan comes into the game, hangs one to Fred Mill Reyes, just an absolute terrible pitch, just a spinning, breaking ball right down the middle, right where he could get to it. Reyes smoked it over the uh, center field fence. Reyes struck out four times in the game, but not that one. So go to extra innings, and Twins look like they may have something going. They get a you know, bottom of the ninth before they got to extra innings. They got a single, uh, two singles, but they could not push the tying or push, could not push the go-ahead run across. Arias um, retired before they could get uh, get that run home in the extra innings. They could not get anything going, even though Buxton had a leadoff uh, leadoff walk after the with the uh, with the extra runner on three straight strikeouts from Correa, Kepler, and Sanchez, and then Cleveland gets one across in the top of the eleventh, and the Twins cannot do anything else in the bottom half. So there you have it: Cleveland's bullpen locks it down in extra innings, and the Twins no longer in sole possession of first place. Now you know. A lot of season left, you know, not not gloom and doom, everything like that. We're not going to get into that right now, but does feel significant that they've been caught at this point. That felt like, you know, with as bad as this division seems like it is, doesn't feel like the Twins quite ran away and hid the way they could have, and now Cleveland's caught a hot streak and caught up to them. And now we'll see what they're made of, right? Now we'll see... If they can respond Wednesday with a win, get back into first place, see what see what happens the rest of the series, see what happens in the rest of the 14 games they have against Cleveland and the White Sox before the All Star break. So I guess this is you know we're gonna find out what they're made of, right? This is this is why they play the games. Is is this team a real contender for the division, or was this just a hot start to the season where they caught something lightning in a bottle whatever you want to call it and it's going to start fading i don't know i think we're gonna start getting we're gonna get some answers here in the next three to four weeks and it wasn't even like they played awful cleveland by the way the second best um bullpen era in all of baseball 2.86 that could be an x factor as we consider Kind of these teams down the stretch. Twins bullpen has been okay, but they've been kind of piecing it together. Cleveland's got a lot of good arms down there. Twins bullpen area 15th, which is fine, 3.86, but Cleveland 2.86. Cleveland did give up a, uh, one of the relievers did give up that home run to Arise, but they shut it down for the rest of the game. Twins could not finish it off with Emilio Pagan giving up that home run. So that is something to watch as well as you consider these two teams going forward. And we will see what they have in store on Wednesday. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I am happy to be joined right now by Lavelle Emil III, Star Tribune columnist. Have, has a piece in Wednesday's paper and starttribune.com looking at the Wolves and their draft options and what he thinks they should do or especially what they need. And some of that aligns with what I think as well. So might not be so much of a debate as it is a discussion level, but we can get into that. Um, and I've got some, uh, I've got a top 10 list that I unearthed with the help of a follower um, from like seven years ago that I wrote on on Twitter and I want to get your thoughts on that and an updated list as well. Maybe we can talk twins a little bit here as well, although talked about that quite a bit at the start of the show. But Lavelle, uh, 
First off, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Mike. How's everything with you? I am good. It's been uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a hot hot summer, hot last few days. But you know what? Let's we. I feel like we wait a long time for this, so we we sh- we should not dare complain when it gets maybe a little bit too that's hot. Not, that's not being Minnesotan, man. We always complain I, about. <laughs> it was always four days where you complain about the heat. Yeah, there's always well, yeah, and we 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 have this idea of couldn't it always be. 79 or something like that it's not always going to be perfect the average is what it is you get to an average of 80 by having some days that are 60 and some days that are 100 um but we're not here to talk well, about i was in, i was in, i was in arizona last weekend oh. so i was kind of getting prepared for it it was 113 when we landed on oh. thursday oh <laughs> well um whoever comes here uh to join the timberwolves lavelle will be stepping into probably a colder winter than they experienced um, in college. But I want to get your thoughts on what you think they should do with this number 19 pick. It's kind of a, it's an interesting spot in the draft because obviously it's not a lottery pick. They're used to being in the lottery. They're not in the lottery this year, but it's still a pick that's got some value. You know, a lot, I think a lot of teams that draft high are drafting for, you know, obviously stars in the making, but also maybe try to start to draft for like potential. They're trying to hit, hit home runs. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the wolves would love to hit a home run, but they also, um, you know, could, they could also hit a double somewhere in here and, and find, you know, find a good player that fits a need. So what, what do you see as a direction or player or players you think they might want to look when, when their name is called at 19 on Thursday night? Well, I think you were headed in the right direction with your piece uh, on Monday when you kind of pointed out that, uh, you know, the Wolves may be at the point where they realize that uh, Car Anthony Towns is more of a, a four. I don't, want to, I don't want to call him a stretch four because I don't want to limit him because he has such a unique skill set that um, he can wreck, wreak havoc, havoc on all three levels on, on the floor and, and defend and rebound and block shots. He can do all that. Um, but I think the one thing is when Cat is being Cat, sometimes the middle of the lane is left exposed and teams can attack down Main Street and get buckets. Um, and then you don't have another post option or, or offensive rebound option if Cats taking threes. So, um, and we've seen teams like Boston and definitely the Cleveland Cavaliers with their big front line uh, go to like a Twin Towers or Triple Towers in, in Cleveland's uh, example and thrive that way. So it's, it's clear to me that the, the Wolves are screaming, uh, this team needs – a uh, another big like it needs air to breathe, and so the one guy I I'm crossing my fingers that would be available for the Wolves at 19 would be 20 year old 20 year old center Mark Williams from from Duke University, uh, who can definitely block shots, who can rebound, who can run the floor, who's a good athlete, uh, and you you could plug him in and he can contribute right away without the pressures of trying to be an offensive player in his first couple of years in the league. You can run like his play like two or three times a game just to keep him happy <laughs> and then let the rest of the Wolves team do their thing. Um, he, he is listed at seven feet, even apparently at the scouting combine, he was measured at seven, two. So I don't know if that means he's still growing, which is scary. You know, the only other player I remember who like grew after they left college. I think Brad Doherty like was like six eleven, coming out of North Carolina. I think he ended up being seven one with the Cavaliers uh, or something like that. So okay. I'm intrigued by this kid. I like him a lot. Um, I but it looks like the Wolves have to do some maneuvering on draft day to move up maybe 
to get past Charlotte and draft him. Yeah, ESPN's got him going. Um, this is the latest mock draft that just went online Tuesday. Got him going 15th to Charlotte, which, you know, 19 isn't that far away, and they do have those three second-round picks. They've got some other players you could have imagined putting into a trade if they were going to try to move up. But you're right. He was ACC Defensive Player of the Year at Duke. Um, seven, seven, eight wingspan. Um, so however, however tall he is, the wingspan, that's a big one. Cause that, that's, you know, that's shot. Those are shot blocking numbers right there. Um, that's, that's intriguing because, you know, you're right. I, I think you're on the right track. And like I, I wrote and talked about on Tuesday's show, Wolves were third from the bottom in the league last year in defensive rebound percentage. Number one in the league was Denver where Tim Connolly comes from. And he clearly places a priority on what he said in Chris Hines Q and a ending possessions. You got to be able to end possessions, get the ball back. And there's different ways to do that, but probably the the most common way to do that is to get that defensive rebound. And the Wolves just haven't been good at that. That's right. And um, like I said, I'm a, that that's, I think you're, you're, you're actually, you're actually checking off multiple boxes. If you, if you find another skilled big man to, to put in your, in your lap now, you know, there's rumblings out there that the Wolves may be interested in Clint Capella. There's some people who are skeptical that uh, such a, uh, a transaction could be pulled off. You know, that plate may be spinning uh, as well, or the plate may have already spun out and crashed to the floor. Who knows? Because like, a lot of times we find out about these things. Uh, we find out uh, after, you know, they, the inquiry has been made and the initial ask was just too much for their uh, liking. But um, that it looks like the Wolves are trying to bring in the center for sure. Um, here, my, my scenario, cause Connolly likes to deal. I mean, I, I, he's not afraid to make maneuvers. So I'm looking, I'm looking at that 13th pick that Charlotte has. And if they do not take a big, you know, there's some mock drafts that have Jalen Duren dropping down to Charlotte at 13. Um, if that's the case, that would be a big help to the wolves, uh, in terms of trying to get, uh, Mark Williams. But if not, if Charlotte does not take a big at 13, they still need one, then I'm calling Cleveland at 14 and saying, uh, you can may have two of my second round picks and let's swap first round picks. See if that's enough to entice the Cavaliers to, to make a deal. It may take all three seconds. I don't know. It's hard for me to figure out what the value of a 40th, a 48th, and a 50th pick are in the NBA these days. Um, but like I said, the, the pivot point for the Wolves in this draft unless they already have something agreed to before the draft, maybe what Charlotte does at 13. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think second round picks have hold more value than they used to. I think teams are finding value with those second round picks, but you know, once you get to the middle late to the second round, you're right. I don't know how, how much the value is compared to say, you know, you can go sign guys as undrafted free agents. It's almost the same thing. It's like having, at that point, it's like having a sixth or seventh round pick in the NFL. It's still a shot. It's still, you get that guy no matter what, but what is the value? Another name we were talking about before we started recording and is, in fact, who is mocked to the Wolves at number 19 on ESPN's latest mock, Walker Kessler. Similar profile to a certain degree, at least defensively, as, uh, as, the, as the player we were just talking about, Mark Williams from Duke. Um, NCAA Defensive Player of the Year, shot blocker, mm-hmm. rim protector, pick and roll, does all that. Might not be quite as versatile, but an interesting name to consider if they don't end up making a deal or if some reason you know they don't end up getting lucky and having a player like that fall all the way to 19. I totally agree, Mike. And I think uh, 
Kessler's an intriguing option just because he uh, he led the nation in blocks. And yes, he was a defensive player of the year. I don't know if he's an athlete that, that Williams is. No. And I don't know. Uh, he I, 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 It sounds like he's adequate in terms of defending the pick and roll. Um, I only watched Auburn play a little bit last year. So it's amazing. I got to pay more attention to college basketball. I, I, I look at the Blue Bloods and what they've got going on. But you're, you're looking at guys in the top 10 in these mock drafts. I'm like, that guy, that guard from Arizona is a top 10? Right. You know, I'm like, oh, really? You know, so um, so I really wasn't focusing on Kessler like he could be a Kessler, like he could be an NBA prospect, but I guess he is. Um, and that would be I, that would be a decent fallback option. Um, and here's the thing, because I looked this up yesterday. The history of 19 picks in NBA, there yeah. are some players who have end up being cred- credible um, contributing players uh, who have taken the 19th round. Uh, Sadiq Bay in 2020, mm-hmm. he's logging a lot of minutes for his team. Kevin Werther in 2018 is averaging yeah. 11 points a game in his career. John Collins, yeah. 2017. You know, that's a guy that the, 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 the Wolves are rumored to be interested in. Malik Beasley in 2016. Okay. Uh, Gary Harris in 2014. Tobias Harris in 2011. Those are guys who end up having credible careers in the NBA at 19. So it, it's it's a spot in the draft where you can find a guy who can contribute. So um, Kessler, definitely Mark Williams in my mind and Kessler are guys who can uh, be uh, uh, players who can be pieces and help the wolves take that next step forward. Yeah. I think when in doubt, um, you know, obviously you're trying to, you know, like you said, find the complete package, but if you find someone who has, you know, one like mega plus, um, skill set. And obviously for Kessler, that's defense, defensive player of the year, blocking shots. That's, you know, if you can find someone that fills a, you know, you don't want to just draft for need, but if you find someone that, that does someone something particularly well, I like those players over sometimes over, you know, the, the someone who's more of a project who has athleticism, but you need to, to polish up the game. And, you know, I, I'm not to say that Kessler can improve in other areas, but I, I, I do like the idea one way or the other of adding some more size next to towns and giving him some help. Cause I just don't think he's really had that, that kind of big next to him. maybe like a little bit of like Gorgie Jang when they would play them together. But Gorgie wasn't that true, like, you know, eraser. He was, he was a good adequate defensive player, but he was, you know, still more of a four than a five. And it wasn't quite that, that big body that, that you would want it alongside towns. No, you're, you're right. You're right. The, they never had this fit before. Um, you know, once again, this is why I think Connolly's arrival to the Wolves is very intriguing because he has drafted big men in the past. Of course, uh, uh, Jokic is the big one. The Joker. Yeah, that was pretty good pick. A, he should do it that was again. pretty good. Yeah, NBA, NBA All Star. So I think he has an eye for for talent in that direction. Of course, he's also done some other. He's drafted other players as well. That's why Denver is Denver right now, and the Wolves are not Denver. Uh, so uh, I, his arrival, I think, is huge for his organization. Um, and the other thing too, I think we be, we also need to be prepared to expect the unexpected, because as A Rod and Mark Laurie continue to gain influence, and you know as as, as long as this layaway program uh, continues, as they buy a piece of the team here and a piece of the team there, um, <laughs> they I think they are determined, you know, to have a top organization, and I think they're willing to spend the money to make sure the infrastructure is strong as possible, and I think they are also going to encourage thinking big when it comes to transactions and adding to the roster. So um, we can be prepared for anything on drafting as far as the Wolves and this new $8 million a year executive, mm-hmm. um, the, the the tag team of Laurie and Ray, A-Rod uh, and a Wolves team that 
reached the playoffs for just the second time in the last umpteen years and is ready to go a little farther. I love the uh, characterization of that as a uh, <laughs> layaway. Like need a need a team now, but don't have the cash. Buy this NBA team on four four easy payments. It's like a late exactly night, late <laughs> night purchase. So that's uh, I, that's funny. I didn't know such a thing was possible. I guess you can you can you can do it. Um, so let me let's switch gears now. That should be fun. that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to reading that column. Everybody should go read that as well. Want to switch gears because this does relate to the Wolves a little bit still. A, tw- a Twitter follower of mine pointed this out to me the other day. Um, I tweeted, I think, November of 2015. I said, Minnesota sports love affairs over the next 10 years. So I was kind of like trying to project who were going to be the 10. The, I think they were just, these were all kind of young up-and-coming athletes at the time. So I, you know, I didn't have some of the more established people. You know, I didn't have like Adrian Peterson or something because he was already a veteran at that point. But I put together a list of 10 athletes who I thought would be kind of of the biggest influence and people would love to watch in this market in you know November of 2015, the list went like this. Number one, Carl Anthony Towns. Number two, Miguel Sano. Number three, Byron Buxton. Number four, Teddy Bridgewater. Number five, Andrew Wiggins. Number six, Matt Dumba. Number seven, Stefan Diggs. Number eight, Jason Zucker. Number nine, Anthony Barr. And number 10, Eric Kendricks. And all those guys did a certain amount of, you know, good in this market. But I think looking at that list does kind of explain kind of the last seven years. Cause you know, I guess outside of towns and maybe Kendricks, there's been some, there's been a lot of bumps with pretty much everybody else on that list, whether they're here anymore or just didn't really pan out or what. You're right. Um, especially when you get down to Matt Dumba, I think Dumba will probably be in the top 10 and most uh, hated yeah. uh, athletes in town right now. <laughs> he's good though. He's, he's very good. He, he's a very good player. He does what he does. He does well. And, you know, I believe Bill Guerin uh, uh, understands the value that he has to that defense. So, and the, the pairing of Dumba and Brodine is one of the better defensive towns in the NHL. Um, yes, Dumba is, tries, he makes risky plays at times and they backfire. Uh, he still has a big shot. Um, he's got to learn, he's got to stay on the ice a little more. He can't be trying to throw cross body checks from mid ice <laughs> right. and try to take out people. Uh, I think that. Uh, uh, I think that backfired on him, but uh, if he stays, if he stays in the ice, he he's he stays in the ice. He's a productive player, man. I, um, but yeah, it was remarkable. Yeah, Miguel Snow second. Uh, you know, Miguel Snow's career is at a crossroads now. I, I think oh, yeah. I think the Twins are 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 comfortable with him not playing the rest of the year and <laughs> just rehabbing that knee. But it's like I've almost for, I've almost forgotten about him. Yeah, exactly. I, it's amazing how. How uh, you know how sudden this turn was made? Where like, well, he needs knee surgery, uh, and then I heard varying things that oh, the rehab's going to take a while. And some people believe, well, the knee's not that bad, you know. And so, the, what that's going on? Is he like uh, tucked away somewhere? You know, uh, changing his body over one more time? Is he going to come back looking like spelt and powerful? I don't know. So, uh, God, Teddy Bridgewater unfortunately had the terrible injury. Yeah. Um, Wiggins was an intriguing guy, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, and of course, you know, Wolves fans were, didn't, the thing is his numbers with uh, Golden State aren't that much different from the Wolves. He's no. just playing on a better team. Right. So anything he does is, is highlighted. Um, so uh, with Wiggs. Diggs, Diggs, uh, was, Diggs was great, but he, you know, forced he, his way out. He became a diva quickly. Yes, he did. Uh, after a couple of years. My goodness. I mean, why we see these are the most diva players, athletes in sports. 
uh, it seems like, but he, his transformation went immediate uh, to that. So, but you get the Vikings credit because they got a, they got a good haul in return for Diggs yes. uh, from Buffalo. So uh, Jason Zucker, I think if he's still in town, he probably would still be on this list. Um, friendly guy, you know, uh, yes. l- likes the radio media. Uh, <laughs> exactly. His wife's a media darling now. <laughs> so uh, right. I think he would still remain on this list. Um Bar, his bar signed with someone yet. The rumor is he's going to sign with Dallas. I don't, I can't remember if he signed with anybody or not. Um, Townsend, what Towns, Sano, Buxton, Dumba, and Kendricks are all still with their, are all still with the Minnesota team. So that's, that's decent, I guess. But yeah, Bar was always kind of one of those, Oof. you know, he made a lot of all, you know, made a lot of Pro Bowls. He had some splash plays, but I don't know if, if, uh, if he ever quite was the player they hoped he would be. I would still have uh, – oh, this is here. I would still have Kendrick in the top ten. I mean, he's a former – I think he's a Star Tribune sports uh, sports person of the year. Yes. Uh, a couple of years ago. So um, he's been he, – he doesn't cause any trouble. He's been active in the community. He's a good football player, and people respect that. And I think uh, his standing in the top ten probably remains. Buxton may be right around where – now where he was uh, in your first list probably fourth or fifth, maybe. And we're still, and we're still think, t- thinking about him in terms of potential, which is, isn't that fascinating? I know. I know. But it's, it's not like you don't, you, you, no one dislikes Buxton. They no. want to see him fulfill his talent. Right. They want to see him stay on a field so he can put up numbers. Right. Um, that's just, the, that's just, that's the issue with him. So if you were going to make a new list from scratch and let's, you know, let's, let's push aside the guys that are already kind of established. I think there's, there's three names I think that people would immediately say probably belong in the top three when we're talking about, you know, players that have just come into this market in the last couple of years. So I think we're talking about guys like Justin Jefferson, Kirill Kaprizov, and Anthony Edwards. But I cannot, I think you can make an argument for any number, any, any way you go one, two, three with those. How would you stack those one, two, three if you were making a new list of next decade love affair with Twin Cities athletes? Torn about uh, Kaprizov and Justin Jefferson and where they should be on that list. Um, Jefferson has, has already proven to be one of the more explosive receivers in the NFL, and he seems to be a good person. Kaprizov, you know, 40-goal scorer, probably he's going to be a 50-goal scorer in this league, um, has the ability to put a team on his back, which is going to endear him to this community forever because uh, putting people on their back is, uh, is, is uh, part of the – the, the Minnesota sports history here and uh, his ability to do that, I think uh, is, uh, is something that can't be taken lightly now. Um, but my number one pick is Anthony Edwards uh, because of the upside, because of the thrills, the way he plays the game and his personality. Uh, the one thing he has over Justin Jefferson and Kaprizov is that he has already appeared in a movie and, yeah. <laughs> and apparently he did a really good job in that movie. Yeah. Hustle. And um, that's going to elevate him in terms of marketability, likability. Um, and uh, he gives funny quotes and he's honest. You know, there's a lot. I think he just provides a lot of things, a lot of reasons for people to fall in love with him. So I'm going to add one of that list, uh, Mike. And I'm probably putting Kaprizov second and Jefferson third. But that's a tough. It seems like Jefferson should be a little bit higher. But uh, that's where I'm going right now. I think you're, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think you're probably right with Edwards. But the, the case I could make for each one is this. And I think 
you know, the NBA is a star league. You see their faces. It's, it's the cool league. You, you get to, you know, get up close with these athletes and he's got the mix of the game, the charisma, the personality that, yes. you know, th- the people don't just enjoy watching. They enjoy the whole person. They hold, they enjoy the whole process of just being around that athlete. Um, but Jefferson plays the biggest sport, right? I mean, the NFL, the Vikings, that's, this is number one in the market slam dunk, no doubt. And he is one of the best already at his position. I think it's hard for a wide receiver maybe to claim that spot, but certainly is a credible guess at number one and Kaprizov, you know, I mean, I think he's the, I think Kaprizov is just the flat out best at his craft of the three. I think he's a better player than Jefferson and a better player than Ant relative to his position in the league. I just think he has got the potential to be, I think if you ask me which one of these three will be in the hall of fame in 20 years, I think Kaprizov would be my first guess. So that to me is, you know, an indicator of where I might put him, but you can make a case for him, but I think you're right. Ant with that star is more of a star than the other, than these other two. Right now he, he is uh, Kaprizov and you know, it, it's probably unfair uh, how, you know, I'm evaluating Kaprizov because there's a language barrier because sure. uh, you know, he's, he's Russian. Uh, now, if he learns English and is able to communicate and express his feelings uh, better, you know, that's going to endear him to the community even more. And that will help his marketability, which, you know, also factors into people falling in love with him. So uh, I, uh, uh, and that could happen in the next two to three years. You know, as he gets more comfortable in this area and um, and uh, being in this country, you know, we, we can't take lightly what it's like to try to work, try to work for a living in no. another country no. <laughs> and, uh, and learn the language and get used to the way of life and the customs and everything. And as he gets more settled more and gets more comfortable with that, you know, we may see uh, some of that uh, uh, from from Kaprizov. So, um, you know, this would be a great list to, revi- uh, to look back on in five years. You know, yeah, I think I'm going to um, put together I'm going to put together a new top 10 on uh, on the on blog post for Wednesday. I got to think a little bit more on who else is on this list. But I think those those three are definitely the top three. Uh, Bucks has got to be four, I think. Um, uh, who who else? Uh, Maybe. I mean, this guy, there's people obviously that we don't know of yet that would emerge onto this right. list, but we can't just, you know, guess at, at that. Um, Harrison Smith, maybe we crack the top 10 in this list. He's, he's almost done though, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's like year, this is year 10 for him. And he's been a steady all pro caliber player, you know, and yeah. he, when you, uh, when you talk about Vikings defense, you identify him, him and Eric Kendricks with that defense. So. I think Towns, um, Towns probably stays on that list. And maybe, absolutely. Does, does Jaden McDaniels like? Do you do you think that highly of him? I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, it's it's a little less cut and dried, I think, than it used to be. I think you're right. You're right. It's not it's not easy. Jay McDaniels, maybe. Um, who who else are the twins? Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> Royce Royce Lewis, if he can stop tearing his ACL. Yeah, um, boy, I tell you what, the, the twins and the history of their prospects breaking down. Mm-hmm. They all get injured. I mean, this goes back to. Jason Kubel for me when I was on the right. you know the, their prospects, but Maurer got injured in the minors. Yep. It's just oh he got he got injured right after he got called up. Right. Um. So it just it ne- never ends with that squad. Um. Joe Ryan. John, maybe? Joe Ryan's possible. Uh, Jawan Duran if he becomes yeah. you know an elite closer three in the next three or four years. Um. Oh, Luis Arias. Yeah. Yeah. We we tend <laughs> to forget about him, but he's uh. I think I think you're right. If he wins a batting title and he's got that. 
he's got charisma on the field, just the way he approaches hitting. Uh, that's uh, He's fun to watch. Uh, Dustin Morris, when the t- team was in Seattle, had to go to um, – he had to go to uh, – Arias's room to bring him something. And he went into Arias's and, and Luis had unpacked his bag, but he was sitting on his bed holding a bat. So he's damn near sleeping with a baseball bat. <laughs> he, he is th- he's, he's thinking hitting all the time. Then. That's amazing. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Well, uh, but this is fun batting this around with you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll work on the list a little bit more um, and look forward to reading your column in Wednesday's paper as well. You guys should go check that out. StarTribune.com. Lavelle Neal the third, good stuff. We'll do this again soon. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Fun conversation with Lavelle. Hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Please do go read his column on the Wolves. I'm sure there'll be plenty more coverage to come on NBA draft stuff. I'll have a good recap of that on Friday's show for sure as well. And like I said, I'll be writing about those athletes who we were going, who the fans are going to love in this market over the next decade. I should be writing a blog post about that later today let's finish up quick with the cooler one good one bad parker fox like i said at the beginning expected to be a pretty key contributor for the gophers men's basketball team hurt his knee in summer practice and don't know the long-term prognosis but gonna watch that because if he's out that leaves them thin in the front court so hoping for better news from parker fox hurt his left knee last year missed that whole season hoping it's not as bad this time around. Better news, Lynx win over Phoenix. Had a terrible first quarter, got down big in that game. Uh, They were down, I think, 22-11 after one quarter, but rally for an 84-71 win. Um, So there you go. The the Lynx get get back into a uh, a better winning situation, and we will see if they... uh, See if they're able to uh, to use that as any kind of springboard. A good, you know, a road win is a road win, even if Phoenix is not a great team. And the Lynx definitely needed a win in this game. That will do it for today. Should have a lot of Title IX content coming up on Thursday's show. A lot of great interviews as part of the Star Tribune's series. I'll be uh, talking through a lot of those and giving my own perspectives as well. So look forward to that in addition to Friday's NBA Draft Recap. And like I've told you guys a couple times, no shows next week. Taking a little bit of a vacation. Be back after this Friday on July 5th. So the Tuesday, July 5th, after the July 4th holiday as well. Thank you so much for listening today. Back at it again on Thursday.